Good morning, everybody, and welcome. You are listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are right here in Australia. You are with Lyle and... Taryn. Good morning, everyone. And, of course, Bonnie's not here because Bonnie's not well. Yeah. Actually, we are hoping that Bonnie is well. Hoping that she's well. Because today is not today. No. And so hopefully by the time you hear this, Mon will actually be here and Mon will be doing the radio. Yes. But you're listening to the delayed broadcast. That's the one. So you need to get with the times, don't you? Yeah. Okay, how do you get with the live show? Jump on over to your TuneIn app, which mm-hmm. is free on the App Store and on Android, and then look for Faith FM on there, and you'll be able to jump on over. Absolutely. Put it in your favourites. Make it your one and only favourite. Yeah, that's it. Otherwise, and, uh, you can just jump on the website at Faith at faithfm.com.au. Okay, so how do you use your TuneIn app? Do you use it in the car? I do. Yeah, Um, but sometimes I'm just like... Bluetooth or...? Yeah, yeah, I have Bluetooth. Okay. But otherwise, like, Oxcord or whatever else. But otherwise, like, I'm just... You know how I listen to it? How? My car is old. Oh. I have a tape player. Yeah. So I tape insert and Oxcord coming out of it. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah, I do. (laughs) That's so... Wow. It looks like... uh, Can you remember cassette tapes? I do remember the cassette tapes. I mean, I'm young, but I'm I'm unfortunately old enough to remember. I did not think you were that old. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so it looks like a cassette tape. It was wire wire hanging out of it. I just plug it into my phone and away I go. Wow. There you go. Hey. Nifty invention. Figured away around this whole situation, haven't you, Lyle? Uh, Absolutely. Got it all sorted. Got it all sorted. I had a car once made in 1984 model that had an aux cord insert into it. Really? Yeah. How? And I was was running my phone through it. Wow. (laughs) It was like a classic. Wow, there you go. Did you change over the radio or something? No, no. The radio was original with the car. Wow. With a, uh, yeah. There you you go. Anyway, what have we got coming up in today's show? We have uh, have a lot of, um, we have an awesome interview today on pornography. Yeah, we've got a heavy, heavy day coming up. Yeah, it was was a good talk though. Listener discretion advised Mm -hmm. if your children are six to eight years or younger. Yeah. But then we also had an awesome Bible study on on grace. We did. It wasn't starting out with grace, but it ended up with grace and it was amazing. Any Bible study that ends with grace is a good Bible study. It, yes. Amen. And, and it's going to continue tomorrow. Yes. With giving glory to God. Uh-huh. Yeah. So mm. get excited. Absolutely. We talked about the uh, royal wedding. Yeah. And we talked about people that are helping homeless people out. Yeah. Hey, we had a really good show today. Yeah. I loved it. Positively different radio. So stay tuned. We've got great music. We have question of the day. Will your pets go to heaven? We're going to answer that question. Yeah. And the awesome quiz as well. It stumped yeah, us. Yeah, it was a really good one. Yeah. It was a really good one today. Yeah. Had uh, had me scratching my head there for a little while. Anyway, stay tuned. We've got more great programming coming up and some great songs right after this.
Everybody, you was listening to Jaden Levick. What a friend we have in Jesus here on Faith FM. And Taryn, do we have a quiz for today? We do indeed have a quiz today, Lyle. Mm-hmm. So the quiz today is a who am I question. Mm-hmm. Now, this first clue I don't think is that easy to get. I think it's a very hard quiz this morning, Lyle. So okay. I want to see if you can get this. All right. Okay. So just from this first clue. It says, Jesus says, I live in Pergamum. Pergamum. Okay, <laughs> so there's a, a weird name. few options mm-hmm. that you've got there. Yep. All right, so Jesus said that Jesus talked about his church that lived in Pergamum. Uh-huh. So this is going to be some clues yep. because I don't know which one it is. Yep. Jesus said that Satan's seat was in Pergamum. Uh-huh. Uh, which would be an implication that Satan lives there. Uh-huh. Jesus said that the Nicolaitans lived in Pergamon. Mm. And Jesus said that Antipas lived in Pergamon. Okay, so we have quite... And there's probably a few others. Yeah, there we go. There's there's four to choose from, and maybe if you read through your Bible, you'll find a few more. Mm -hmm. Uh, You will find it. Okay, so here's here's another clue. Um, If you want to find the answer, you need to read the prophecy of the seven churches from the book of Revelation. And that is found in... I'm just going to let you search it. Okay, here we go. <laughs> the whole idea of the morning <laughs> quiz is to have people searching their, studying their Bible. So go out and do some Bible study and see if you can find who it was who lived in Pergamum. Yeah. I'm just trying to think whether there was anyone else that the Bible... The Bible also mentions Balaam and Balak, but I don't think it says that they lived there. Okay. I know historically, obviously, they didn't live there. But anyway. So there yeah. we go. We have the first clue for this morning. Yeah, that's, that's very obscure. That's very obscure. Who <laughs> we'll lived there? We'll see. Uh, what I don't think, I don't think anyone... I think if anyone gets it on the first clue, it's going to be a guess. Yeah, I, th- I think Because you've got so options. You've yeah. got options. Yeah. Well, that was some good extra clues for us this morning. Ooh, wow. Yeah. wow. There we go. <laughs> it's got my head spinning. <laughs> well, in other news, Lyle, mm-hmm. what were you doing on Saturday night? 
Saturday night. I was, I was, yes, I was doing something important mm-hmm. actually. I had a big day. Mm-hmm. So I preached in uh, Nambucca Heads. Uh-huh. I did an afternoon program in Maxville. Mm-hmm. And then I went to a church social in Maitland. Okay. Now, if you know your northern New South <laughs> Wales geography, you know that those places are all a fair chunk of distance apart. Very far apart. And in Maitland, we had the most, most amazing bake-off ever. Really? And so people were baking and there were cakes and there were pies and there were sweet ones and savoury ones. You could buy oh, pies yum. and you could eat pies. And then there was a whole competition and there was lots of different categories. There was healthy categories and there was unhealthy categories and there was three judges that went around and uh, you could, you know, best this cake, best that cake, best obscure cake, wow. etc. There was there was there was muffins and then we auctioned them all off to raise money for Faith FM. Ah, oh, there you there go. For our, our, our transmitter that we're trying to put up out at Stanhope. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. So that was so that was a that, that was, was your Saturday it was a night. Big day. Mm-hmm. It was a big day and no, I didn't watch the royal wedding. There you go. <laughs> so you would have been one of the few people who weren't sitting by their TV watching Harry and Meghan get married. So I'm taking it you did watch the wedding, right? Well, actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. I didn't. Surprise! I, I I just couldn't be bothered to oh, be honest. This is such a princess <laughs> romance story. I thought. Yeah, I know. All of my friends were, but I just couldn't be bothered. You just went to bed. Yeah. Right? You went to sleep. Yeah. I, the whole thing. I was you watch, tired. Okay, did you watch the highlights? I did. Yes. Okay. okay. So yeah, I figured them. Facebook would give me all that I needed to see the next day. <laughs> so why was I going to stay up and watch watch it on? Saturday night when I could just see it all the next day. Anyway, if you had seen the highlights, Lyle, you would have seen that there were thousands and thousands and thousands of flowers everywhere. They were amazing. They were beautiful. The entrance to the chapel, like where they got married, like there were flowers. Like it was insane how many flowers there were. I must confess. (laughs) I didn't you watch didn't the even highlights. see the highlights? Okay. My wife well. watched the highlights. My wife watched the highlights. She did it for me. Michelle well, would know it's, then yeah, yeah, how many flowers there were. Yeah. And so um, Harry and Megan decided that instead of just letting all of the flowers go to waste, yep. and I don't know what you would do with flowers, they decided to donate the flowers to a hospice in London. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was lovely. So there's all of these pictures on the internet about these little old ladies and and everyone just sitting together and they've got these flowers that were at Harry and Meghan's wedding and they the smiles on their faces are just amazing. That's like, awesome. They were just so happy to see that, you know, just to receive these flowers as gifts from the royal couple. Um, and, it, and they were like, oh, it's just brightened up our hospice and it smells so lovely as it would with all of oh, the flowers in their, their homes. So, yeah, I just thought that was lovely. It's got to be the ultimate in recycling right there. Yeah, that's it. I mean, flowers are going to die. Is, is, is that a man's way of looking at it? Like, yeah, recycling. Well, they're going to die eventually. Worth out of yeah, exactly. More than one person should enjoy them. So, why not? So, yeah, that, that was lovely. It is, a, it is a shifting culture, though, because in the past, those would have all been disposed of because it's like, well, it was used in the royal wedding. Nobody, ever, nobody mm. else can touch them. Nobody else can have anything to do with them. That would be just, you know, uh, dishonouring for somebody else to, in, you know, to own those things. Yeah, and 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 these days it's like, yeah, no, let's let's spread the love. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. May as well I benefit. Gonna, I was going to say, let's recycle. <laughs> recycle. Let's spread the love. It's spreading the love. It's spreading the love. Yeah, definitely. And, and, until the flowers die, <laughs> and then and then they'll turn into uh, compost, and yeah. are, they are a renewable resource. So that's a good thing. That's right. Yeah, yeah and perfect. They'll they be good fertilizer somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Well. 
that's what's ha- going on in London. Mm-hmm. In other news, in Scotland. Okay, so sticking is, with the UK. Yep, we're sticking with the UK today, okay? It's traveling a bit further north. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this cafe called Social Bite, right? Social Bite. Yep. Okay, yep. And what they do is that they get all of the homeless community mm-hmm. and they employ people from the homeless community to come and work in their cafe and all of the proceeds from their cafe goes back into the homeless community to help them out. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, that's pretty cool. Like, firstly, that they just, like, employ all of these people to come Okay, but I'm thinking cafe. about that for a second. A cafe has, what, uh, five, six employees? Yeah. Well, they have six different locations across Scotland. So, okay, okay. like, yeah, there's not that many per cafe, but across but some of those, Scotland- Some of those cities are big cities and that have, like, a lot of homeless people. So, how many yeah, people- they Do would. they rotate them through or do they have, like, a select group? I think they kind of rotate them through, but- okay. Give everyone what, a turn. What they've just started to do is that they've decided to build this- Village of like little eco houses for the homeless community. Oh, tiny so, houses. Yeah, tiny houses. So they would get like about um, 20 people, mm-hmm. like 20 homeless people, and put them in this community for like six months. They'll give them like basic training, they'll give them some education, they'll feed them, they'll clothe them, like they'll just train them to be like members of society, like just mm-hmm. to how mm-hmm. to get back into society, get jobs, like all of that sort of stuff. And then um, after six months or so, they'll um, like place them in somewhere in the in the community and they'll get a whole new set of um, like 20 people, homeless people to come back in and they'll do it all again. Fantastic. Yeah. So not only are they employing people in their cafe, but they're creating this community and training them how to get themselves back into society and just pick their lives back up and just help them along the way. That's amazing. That's yeah. just a, that's, that, that's awesome. And it's one of those things, of course, you know, that Jesus talks about. And we often have these stories here. But, you know, when you have done it what to one of the least of these, my brethren, he says, you have done it to me. Exactly. And so these are the kind of things that we should be supporting and helping people out. And some of these homeless people, you hear their stories and, you know, they were – you know, I was reading a story about a homeless person the other day who was a um, highly successful engineer. Yeah, on on big money, mm-hmm. and uh, through unfortunate circumstances, his life went the wrong direction, and um, you know, not 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 necessarily his fault. Mm. And suddenly, he's, he's ended up homeless on the street with um, you know nowhere to live. And it, oh, Scotland would be a miserable place to be. Oh, homeless. wouldn't it? The cold, the rain, the oh. it, yeah. Uh, you know, I've I've seen beautiful weather in Scotland, and I've seen just some of the most miserable weather yeah. that I've seen anywhere on the planet in 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 Scotland. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just ooh, yeah. Yeah. So I just thought that that was a bit of a challenge, yeah. actually. Like that's, that inspired me, and I thought, you know. What would happen if, you know, some of our churches got on board with doing something like this? Oh, absolutely. Like, isn't that just exactly what Jesus asks us to do? It's exactly what he asks us mm. to do. And there is a whole community. In, in any church any church will have a community of homeless people who are within their region mm. and, and should be stopping and asking themselves, well, what, what are we doing yeah. about, you know, this? Uh, what, what's happening right here? Exactly. Because, like, as you said, like, People become homeless for a range of different. Yeah, and things. it's not always their fault. You it's know, sometimes we think, well, you know, there's, there's, we're in Australia. They've got a they've got an income, you know, from somewhere. There's some kind of income source. Why should they've got no excuse to be homeless? Exactly. But some people actually do. Yeah, that's it. Some people choose it. Yeah. But some people have a reason. Yeah. yeah. So be inspired today. There are people doing good things out in the world, and um, it inspired me to do that too. But now we have a song coming up by Carly Fletcher, "My Everything."
Carly Fletcher with My Everything here on Faith FM. 
For our next section, I should say that listener discretion is advised. We're going to be talking about some pretty heavy subjects in relationship to pornography. Mm-hmm. And if you have children who are eight, six to eight years or younger, they possibly have not been exposed to pornography yet. And so um, this might be something you just might like to take into consideration, a very heavy subject coming right up. But before that, uh, clue. Yes. Okay. So the next clue is time and time again, I stopped Paul from going to Thessalonica. Do you know what that one is, Lyle? Getting a better idea? Oh, okay. All right. There you go. Cool. All right. (laughs) (laughs) There it is, friend. So there's probably yeah okay that was mm, that's different yep. all right there you go who am I all right so um, we're going to move on with our stories and of course we're going to begin with the story of uh, Archbishop Philip Wilson who has been just convicted uh, of protecting uh, pedophile priest um, James Fletcher who is the highest ranked Roman Catholic so far anywhere in the world to be convicted of a child sex related offence. Okay. Um, of course, we have um, Cardinal Pell, who's going mm. to be standing on trial, who's the third highest Roman Catholic in the world. Now, I just want to address very, very briefly, I just want to comment on this and give us a call if you've got some thoughts on it, one eight hundred three two four eight four three 324 or 0491064669 to send us a text message. But I want to address the elephant in the room here mm-hmm. that nobody is talking about. Why is it that the, you know, <coughs> clergy-based child abuse exists in every denomination? Yeah. Why is it so massively overrepresented amongst Roman Catholicism on a per capita basis? That's a good question. Um, and, and I don't know the answer to that question, but it, when I look at the uh, you know the different religions, what's the difference between this religion and that religion, and why is it massively overrepresented here? And my personal opinion is, and this is uh, not back, not backed up by uh, research. This is my personal opinion, mm-hmm. uh, possibly because I, I think the research has not been done. Is that it comes back to what the Bible calls um, a doctrine of devils, and that is. Enforced celibacy. Wow. I believe it messes with men's heads. Okay. And uh, I, I think it's a terrible thing. I think that it is archaic. I think it is medieval. I think that the Catholic Church needs to address this issue. Hmm. It is unnatural. Yeah. And it is against God and is wrong. God created, you know, human beings to be together. Yeah. And you separate them and then place them in charge of, you know, ministry and it's going to you know, how can you how can you minister to married people if you, you know, mm. it just it's just messed up the whole thing yeah. messed up. Anyway. That's my thoughts. If you've got a different opinion or some research that you'd like to share, one eight hundred three two four eight four three is our number. However, I want to move on to this story about pornography. And we just had the the mass school shooting in Texas um, last Friday. Mm -hmm. And it's come out that uh, one of the major issues that this young man was facing um, was rejection by uh, girls and one in particular that he was very aggressively chasing. And the question that's been going through my mind is this. Why do we have a generation of young men who are incredibly aggressive towards women? Mm. What has created this? We have not seen this in the past. If you go back through the uh, the last three years, um, we've had um, one, two, three, four, five now mass killings, mm. um, all perpetrated by men who are, are angry at the world because they are not able to have sex with women. Wow. Um, so the first one killed – I'm not going to name them. Uh, I don't want to give them fame. The first one killed – 16 killed, 14 wounded. Nine killed, eight wounded. Ten 
two killed, zero wounded, ten killed, fourteen wounded, um, and another ten killed in in this last mm. one. And so what you've got here, very simply, is that I think this is what we need to look at: is that you've got um, the average age where a child starts to look at pornography is between eight and ten years old. They don't have the ability to be able to differentiate between uh, fantasy and reality mm. and they are learning how to relate to the opposite sex through pornography yeah. rather than role modeling by their parents and a mm. lot of them come from a, a single parent home where yeah. they don't even get to see a relationship yeah. modeled that's it and so um, they you've got young men then that have this in, this belief that they are entitled to women's bodies they have no ability or understanding how to woo um, um, or to, to win over a mm. woman's heart. Yeah. Um, the, the expectation is that, that women just want physical excitement the same way that they just want physical excitement. They think that women are all the same. That's, that's all that they want out of a relationship. And so when they offer physical excitement and they're rejected, then they get angry. Mm. Um and so then they, that leads to repeated rejection, which leads to um, most often suicidal thoughts mm-hmm. and on occasion homicidal thoughts. Uh-huh. And that's um, what we're seeing here. And that's what we're seeing. Yeah. And this is what we're going to see an increase of is young men who are angry because they believe that they are entitled to women's bodies. They're not able to get that because they're not offering anything that women want Mm -hmm. because they don't know what women want because the only thing that they've been shown is pornography. And so they go out and and, uh, um, commit violent acts. Mm -hmm. And so you've got this... Sorry, I'm on a bit of a roll. (laughs) But you've got this this splurge of of violence... Mm You know, we've got a pandemic of violence and we have a pandemic of suicide yeah. that matches it, that's even bigger. Yeah. And uh, I think pornography is a driving force behind this. There you go. Just a question on that. Um, this latest one where mm-hmm. you were saying that um, he was trying to woo a girl and got yeah. rejected and whatever, did he take it out on the girl? He was did. it? It was the he girl. Did. Walked into the wow. classroom and shot her. Wow. There you go. Yeah. And, you know, he'd been, he'd been forcibly. Uh, uh, pushing to 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 you know have sex with this girl for the last yeah. four months, and she'd oh. been repeatedly rejecting him, and he wasn't taking no for an answer, wow. and uh, you know because he felt entitled. Mm. So then, what are we doing to help the the girls in these situations as well? Like this is a really good question because pornography doesn't just affect young men; it is twisting their minds. Mm-hmm. But you've got a whole generation of girls out there who are being educated by. Pornography and think pornography has become incredibly violent. Yeah, and they think that that's what men want. Yeah, and so then that's what they offer because they want love and they want security, and they think that to get love and security, that's what they need to offer, and so they offer themselves up to abuse. Yeah, which then leads to yeah suicide. Wow, depression. Yeah, it's just this horrible that's cycle. A vicious isn't it? nasty yeah. cycle. It's a vicious circle. Yeah. Here's another piece of research very quickly, um, and this comes from the uh, the Mirror in the UK, um, research that was done. The biggest pandemic of impotence ever to hit our world is in men in their 30s with 50% of them reporting impotence, unable to gain an erection. Wow. And, of course, in the past, uh, impotence used to be something that was affected uh, mostly very elderly men. Yeah. You know, um, 65 and older. Yeah. Now, 65 and older have a much greater uh, ability to maintain an erection than 30-year-olds. No way. Absolutely. Because 
people, men who are hitting their 30s now are men who grew up in the online porn mm. environment. Right. And so your younger men, yeah. they haven't worn out their abilities yet. Yeah. And so their stats are lower. Yeah. Even though you have a lot of teenagers who are reliant on uh, Viagra. Wow. Um, it's really hitting men in their 30s because that's, you know, and, and my age bracket, I didn't, you know, I'm in my 40s and so I didn't grow up with the, in the online yeah. porn environment. And so men in my age bracket are not being hit as hard uh-huh. because we didn't have that as teenagers. So what's going to be like for the next generation? Well, this is the terrifying thing. We are raising a generation that is soaked in violent pornography. And we need to address this. We need to do something Mm. about it. We're going to have an interview in just a moment with a fellow by the name of Tim Turner who is doing something about it Mm. and uh, is running an American program here in Australia. And so stay tuned. We're going to be back after this song break to talk to Tim Turner about what he's doing about this particular problem. This is going to be Anna Beaton.
sanctified and blessed You're set apart Welcome back to Faith FM You're here with Taryn and Lyle Now earlier in our show we have had this quiz And it's a who am I quiz Lyle didn't quite have the answer for that But um I'm going to give you guys another clue and another opportunity to see if you know who this is. So the first clue we gave was Jesus says, I live in Pergamum. Interesting uh, interesting clue there. Then we saw that time and time again, I stopped Paul from going to Thessalonica. Now this third clue is that I asked to sift Simon as wheat but Jesus prayed for him that his faith would not fail. So interesting clues there, Lyle. Mm, and um, indeed. Yeah, we're going to see if anyone can call in or, or message us on Facebook and see if they get the answer right for that one. Fantastic. Well, I have Tim Turner on the phone and he is a chaplain, from a school chaplain from mm-hmm. uh, Maxville where I was um, visiting on the weekend. Um, and he has decided to do something about the issue of pornography. Uh, which is a, a very important thing. Yeah. To do. He's a primary school chaplain, of course. Oh, there we go. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So, Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lyle. It's good to be here. Yeah. Now, Tim, very quickly, um, you're, you're a chaplain of a primary school there in Maxville. Um, we're talking about the issue of pornography today. Is this something that you face uh, amongst primary school students? Is this an issue for primary school age students? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned earlier that the average age of exposure to pornography is like 8 to 10. Um, there's some really scary stats on um, under 10-year-olds. I think it's about 10% that visit hardcore pornography sites, and it's like a ridiculous stat for under 10s as 1 in 10 visitors is basically a, a minor. Um, oh. And so you, you have a, a massive silent epidemic that's happening and people just really aren't talking about it yeah that's um and and i think this is one of the things that um you know really does um create a problem is that nobody's saying anything particularly because there is a a whole movement out there that um you know parents and and you know adults and so forth that say that pornography is not a bad thing that it's not causing any trouble and that it's healthy um is that what you're seeing as a school chaplain yeah, I, I see um, different aspects of it. I guess the, there are some parents um, who are saying that and who will actively um, leave access out for their kids to sort of uh, magazines and different things for their kids so that they can access it freely, um, which really scares me and saddens me at the same time. But then you also have the parents who just don't know what's going on. Um, a lot of the younger generation have been using smartphones since they were two, and so they know um, – backwards inside out and how to hide what they're doing from their parents and the parents haven't got a clue so mm. and are you seeing um, negative effects coming through with your primary school aged children um, as, as a chaplain yeah uh, there are some things that that are, are um, definitely you can see depending on where you go I was working at a um, school in Kurumbong and the different things that you see there the, the types of uh, things the kids talk about in, in grade five, six, just where they are um, talking about some some of the things that they're going to be doing with their boyfriends and girlfriends and stuff. And it's kind of like, well, you, you're not even 12. 
Um, and the, it sounds like what they're talking about isn't just something they would have found from here, overhearing their parents. It sounds like something that's come from directly from the internet. So, mm, Sure, sure, sure. Now, Tim, uh, just taking a little bit of a different um, uh, tack there, you've decided to, to, um, to address this issue uh, that it seems like very, very few other people are addressing or are game to address. Um, what inspired you to do something about the problem? Well, me personally, I, I actually um, was exposed to pornography, I think, when I was four or five. Um, it was animated pornography, just supposed to be on, you know, how children are born and stuff. But as a four-year-old, I really don't think I needed to know any of that. Um, and the only thing that I guess I came away with was just an understanding of a um, naked man and a woman having sex. And that was pretty much my first exposure to things. And then um, later on, I was shown full-blown pornography by my best friend who found his brother's stash of magazines and decided to show me. Um, and so... This is back in the before day when, I could, when magazines were the thing. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't very long before I figured out that I could access that on a computer. And um, when we got the internet, that just went crazy for me. Um, so I, I actually became addicted to it. And um, I only got out about four years ago. So, okay. Yeah. So you've got some personal experience in this, and I think that's important to understand because um, when you when you're helping other people, it um, it it it's you know you're not coming from a, a perspective where you don't know what people are going through. Uh, hmm. What is the program that you you've, you've been running an American based program here in Australia? What's that program called? Uh, the program's called the Conquer Series, um, and you can have a look at the trailer and all that sort of stuff at conquerseries.com. Um, it basically, it, it's uh, a really fast-packed sort of way to get people into a support group. So it, the, the series that I ran, they've done an update of it, but the, the series that I ran first is a five-DVD series. Um, they go for about an hour long, and they unpack um, really quickly. Uh, what the process is in order to get out from uh, pornography addiction. Um, and so they'll start off with an understanding of, hey, this is where you're at. Um, go and have a look at our online sexual addi- addiction test and see if you're actually in need of this sort of thing. Um, and then basically just the, the program itself allows people to um, get into a place where they can say, all right, I, I know I need help. But I'm not the only one struggling with this issue. And I think that's one of the core things that people really think that it's just them, um, especially if they've grown up in a, in a church where it's not talked about. Um, everybody else is wearing masks and no one says, hey, look, man, this is really crazy. And um, so I guess that's um, probably where the start of it comes from. The next part, they have so many different aspects in the series, it's hard to get into a, a conversation. Can I just, just um, back up just a little bit to something you said there a moment ago about, you know, um, sort of everybody sits there with their mask on and pretends like they're not into pornography. Um, in an average church on a uh, Saturday or Sunday morning, um, amongst your, uh, say, 18-year-old age bracket, how many of them would be involved in looking at pornography? What would be the percentage uh, amongst young men? Well, um, the Barna Group in 2005, I think, did a, did a um, denominational study, like a cross-denominational study um, on pornography, and they found that uh, 60 to 70% of men um, regularly view pornography in the church. Mm-hmm. They found that 20 to 30% of women do, and 50 to 58% of pastors so this is, this is something that's absolutely huge in its um, dimensions. And so if you're looking at who's going to be um, looking at pornography, say, that Sabbath morning, 
um, you, you're probably looking at a high percentage, money. much, yeah, or whichever. Yeah. So, um, the stats are different depending on which study that you read because uh, I guess different demographics, different um, age brackets, and things like that. So, it's kind of uh, it's hard to say sure. precisely exactly but a I think, percentage. I think, you could, I think you could say you could sit there with confidence and know that you're not there by yourself. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Um, I, I would hazard a guess that on any particular morning, Sunday or Saturday in church, that you're um, sitting amongst people who have looked at pornography that morning or that night before or something like that. Sure, sure, yeah. Okay, so you're not alone in this, and it's something that um, I, I think that's an important point is that, okay, if you're struggling with this, there are going to be other people in your congregation who are struggling with it as well. Um, why is it that um, why is it the people aren't coming forward and saying, "Look, I'm I'm struggling with this particular issue and I need help"? Why is it the people aren't calling out for help on this one? Um, well, I think there's a lot of shame that's involved, especially in a church setting. Um, and there's a, there's on top of the shame, there's also the relational impact that it's going to have. So most of the time, people will be keeping this secret; they won't be talking about it, and they're they're afraid that if it gets out, everyone will see them for the sinner that they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, on one side, they're just ashamed for people to find out. But the, on the other, on the other side, um, they're ashamed, or they don't want their wife to find out, or um, husband, or whatever, because they're afraid of what's going to come. Mm-hmm. I was talking to one guy where I ran a series previously, and he said to me that he needs to come to the to the small group that we ran afterwards, um, and he wants to, but he he can't because of his wife. He doesn't want his wife to find out. Sure, sure. And that, that to me was really, really sad because um, he's basically perpetuating the the place where he is and he's not able to to get himself out of that um, because he's not willing to face the pain. Okay, so how do you deal with – that's a very real situation that, you know, if somebody's an alcoholic, obviously everybody knows they're an alcoholic. Um, so you've got – you know, you've only, you're only going to be um, doing yourself credit by going to AA or some, some, some similar program, whereas with this one you're actually doing yourself discredit or you could be seen to yourself you're doing discredit by attending something because nobody knew about it before and now they think you're a dirty old pervert. How do you actually deal with that kind of a, um, a situation to encourage people to actually face up and deal with these issues? Well, I think in some ways, like if you're giving the illustration of the alcoholic, um, sometimes behavioural modification can work. Um, at the same time, it's still partly a heart issue. And I think with this one, the heart issue yeah. is bigger mm-hmm. um, just because of the, of the ramifications that it has. If you drink alcohol, you know, there's no, no, oh, yeah, my wife just doesn't like it when I do or I might get angry, but that's like about as far as it goes. It's not going to impact your relationship. However... When a guy is looking at pornography, um, he is betraying his wife, whether he thinks he is or he isn't. Um, if, you, if we go to the Bible where Jesus says that if you look at a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Mm-hmm. Now, I used to wonder about that. I thought adultery has to be between you know married man and married woman and crossing over into places where they shouldn't go. But I thought about it. If, if Jesus can say that looking at a woman is adultery, that means it's, uh, looking at a woman is a sexual act. Now, if I was to ask you, Lyle, um, <clears throat> do you have any lingerie that you wear? Me? Yeah, you. No. Yeah. Um, any reason why do you think that is? Do you think your wife would be happy to see you in lingerie? No. That's, no. Just, that's, okay. not, that's not masculine. 
<laughs> it's really not. But at the same time, it's not what attracts a woman. Whereas on the other hand, the reason why um, there are stores everywhere for lingerie for ladies is because um, for guys, looking at women is visual foreplay. Sure. It's a part of sex. Therefore, um, yeah, absolutely, Jesus is right. If you're looking at a woman to, to lust after her, um, that's adultery. Plain absolutely. And simple. Now, and now, now, just on that thought then, what, what is it, why is it that um, there's a large percentage of women that are getting involved in pornography? Well, that, there's different reasons given. Some are that you know the husbands are watching it and they basically say, "Hey, let's let's try and spice things up in our sex life," and so um, they'll encourage their wife to look with them. Um, other side, I think some stats that I've heard is that ladies are um, producing the pornography basically, and the men are consuming it. Mm. But depending on um, that stat, also. I've heard some new stats that reckon that the ladies are consuming more than guys are, but it, stats vary from study to study, so it's hard yeah, to pinpoint. Yeah, and from country to country as well. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so here's so another, we, we've got a couple of, uh, just a couple of minutes left, but what damage is pornography actually doing to the person? Apart from relationship damage, um, what, what, what other damage? Yeah, relationship damage doesn't have to be the biggest one, but um, physically even looking at um, PET scans of brains and stuff, what, what normally happens in, in a brain is when a person looks at pornography, um, they will get a rush of dopamine and basically feel really, really good. I've heard that um, looking at pornography is approximately 1,100% um, better than how you normally feel. And so... For, for that short amount of time, your, your brain gets taxed really, really heavily in some areas, and that then changes the physical structure of your brain. Uh, one of the places that it um, overrides is your prefrontal cortex. Now, your prefrontal cortex is a place in your brain where you make your decisions, you make moral judgment calls, and you have self-control and different things. It's kind of like the brakes of the brain. It decides whether you... Um, take that cookie that doesn't belong to you or things like that where when you're looking at pornography however that part of the brain gets turned off mm-hmm. and so your 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 um, limbic system or the place that your emotional brain basically takes over and when a, a guy um, goes through something um, difficult or a pain or he's feeling lonely hungry angry tired any of those sorts of things um, his brain says I want to feel better and so his emotional brain says, well, I know how to feel better. I'll go and look at pornography. And he just goes and does it. Mm-hmm. And so it then be- can become an addiction just because of the physical rewiring of the brain that takes place when you're looking at it. Mm, sure. And, um, yeah, there's so much we could talk about on this subject, but um, unfortunately, Tim, we are running short on time. Um, I just do want to say thank you so much for actually doing something about this and addressing this issue uh, particularly, you know, in your position as a school chaplain, you have the opportunity to be able to, um, you know, cut it, cut it off uh, early on and have an influence on young minds. And so, uh, yeah, our prayers are with you as you um, attempt to do so, and hopefully your program will go well. But, um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me, Lyle. I would want to say just one thing in parting. If- uh, we're out of time. Sorry. God sent his son. They called him Jesus He came to love Heal and forgive He lived and died To buy my pardon An empty grave 
Definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh Day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh yeah, how? Well, it's worshiping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m. Service at 11 a.m. And guess what? That's followed by. Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. <laughs> well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh Day Adventist Church. Our address is 105. Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile.
You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.